LAS. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Hello, guys. My name is Devin Green, and this is The Innovative Creative, a podcast dedicated to helping designers and clients better understand design using an alternative way of thought. I've been designing for 16 plus years, and I felt that people need this knowledge. Whether you are a new or an experienced designer, I can give you tips that can better help your design journey. I also know that clients sometimes have a hard time working with designers. This is my way to help clear the confusion. Join me on your favorite podcasting platform as I dive into design tips, communication tactics, and much more. I release episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on my website at innovativecreative.fm and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is proudly produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The Innovative Creative is free to listen to, but if you want bonus content and to support local creators, subscribe to LAS+. For more information on that, head on over to LASPodcastNetwork.com. LAS. Hello, everyone. Alan here. (laughs) We're so excited to share this next leg of our journey with you. If you want to keep up with all things Miria, you can follow us on Facebook at Miss Miria. (laughs) Wow, everybody's really embarrassed about me singing. Why? Of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoy the show that you're about to listen to, consider sharing it with your friends. Or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show your support. Also... If you didn't know, we've got some shows on LAS Plus. And if you want to get more of that, you can go over to lasmediagroup.com slash plus and sign up for LAS Plus, which comes with not just our shows, but shows for other people. And you get discounts locally, other things that I was just told, and then subsequently forgot and uh yeah it's it's very good so uh you should take a look at that and check it out for us and i just want to say thank you so much once again for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us and without further ado welcome to miria last time we found ourselves in a dark cell somewhere far away from ebonvale we met someone new Abaddon, a drow with ornate metal bands covering their arms and mystical flora that they can grow instantaneously. Her shadow found themselves trapped in this space with Abaddon. After getting their bearings, the understanding started to set in. But before any more could happen, footsteps were heard outside of the door. It clattered open, and a woman stepped through. She told you all that her name is War. 
She is a feminine presenting living flame. Her skin is glowing red, hot, yellow, and orange, almost magmatic. There is a heat flow that continuously radiates off of her, wreathing her in warbling distortions of air. She has a defined nose and mouth, but everything above that is a cascade of flame, silently licking the air above her in a flickering dance. She has no eyes or ears to speak of, but she seems to see and hear just fine, her implied gaze palpable when it lands on you. Her body is covered in a metal sheath, armor reaching over her lithe form with a high collar all the way up to her neck. Heat vents lace themselves on the side and back of her body. All of this dark metal seems unaffected by the heat that she radiates. The metal is formed in dark scales that are trimmed with gold as they trace up her body, and a dark black with gold embroidery cape scarf hangs at the edge of her shoulders. She looks at all of you, one by one, pacing over you. She lands on Abaddon, and Abaddon she says to you, How are you doing, Abaddon? Abaddon, uh, I'm not going to say anything, just kind of glare at her. Mm. She takes a moment to try and allow for a response, but then she just smiles and she says, as long as we're not enemies, then all is well. She turns to you, her, and oh, she says, Hello. Hi. How are you? Um, confused? I'm sure that's the case. I'm sorry for you not having any information on where we are. I mean, nobody really tells me much of anything in here. I have a question. Yeah? For war. Oh, you're saying it. I thought that it was no, more than asking the question. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I have a question. How do you do that? How do I do what? With the fire. I am made of fire. She, like, goes wide-eyed and just says, no. I, like you... Hamenevian. What's that? She looks over towards you, Abaddon, and she kind of like tilts her head, and another smile kind of creaks across her face, and she says to you, Abaddon? After Abaddon like physically fidgets. You know, just like yeah. rubbing their hands on their legs. They go, we're not, we draw our life from magic. Um, doesn't everyone? Her, you are an amalgamation of souls, pieces of souls. And 
Hey found a body. And that's where you come from. The weave. All these pieces of souls that had been in the weave, shattered. They all clumped together. And you were born of that. And you were too. I was. So we're all divine. Correct. Except for Shadow, I think. You would be correct. She glances over towards you, Shadow. And the smile doesn't break on her face, but it looks as almost like she's carrying it from genuine smile from the other people, and Mm -hmm. it goes towards you. It just doesn't disappear, but it may not have been for you. She looks at you, Shadow, and she says, How did you get pigment for that? And she points at your shoulder. I look around at the ground and kind of point, apparently. It seems there's enough plant life here that I can supply myself with pigment for smearing on my carapace. I'm sorry, I... I find myself at a loss for understanding makeup and the like. It's not something that I have the uh, luxury of knowing. Hmm. Do you want some? It would not stay. It would burn. We could put it on your arm, right? Unless that would burn too. I don't think so. Why am I here? It's odd. I know why her and Habadon are here. You are here at the request of Field Marshal Vintner. He has had Oracle pilot you. Of course. Why you share a cell with these two is above my knowledge level. Hmm. Does war look familiar to me? Like, to you? From when I was be- like conscious here before? Roll me a history check. Okay. Ooh. 17 plus now, 2, 19. That's a good number. 19. I see. Um, I think... That with that number, you remember very long ago, there was essentially a raging firestorm that was brought in in a sphere of force, uncontrollable, that was then placed in one of these cells, and it was custom-made to handle the heat. Okay. There was it it very clearly was a sentient thing. However, it was wild and untamed. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there was a lot of fuss getting it in. And then every day after that it just sounded like 
a storm inside that cell. But that's all you remember. Okay. I am here to acclimate you. Her. I know that this is confusing, but the reason you are here is because the world is not ready for Evians. Hmm? What's that mean? Do you remember your escapade with one of the members of the Guard family where you reversed time over and over? Um, I mean, yeah, but doesn't time magic already exist elsewhere? Her. Do you know how many people you killed doing that? No. I didn't think I killed anybody. Nine. How? When you reversed time, the people standing in that space had to go somewhere. You reversed time over two dozen times. Do I remember there being people in the space where time reversed? You can roll me a history check. Okay. <clears throat> That's a bad roll. It's a six. Plus... Um, 11. 11? Yeah. Yeah. Distinctly, there were people who were there. Remember the very first time that you were teleported Actually, away? Actually, wait. I have the key in mind feet. So yeah. If I, I can perfectly recall anything in the past 30 days that I can remember. Well, then you can't remember this. Well, fuck. You remember very distinctly there when you first teleported with Arsenio, there was a group of people wrapped around that circle looking at you, watching the scenario. Afterwards, the bodies from that fight were cleaned up when you were coming back over and over again. So at bare minimum, people were there cleaning up the mess. Oh. She like, her brow furrows and her jaw clenches and she's just like, uh. Nine people lost family members. I didn't. I know. And she comes over and she rests her arm on your shoulder. And she says, I know. I have had similar things happen to me, but to others because of me. This place can help you control. It can keep you and others safe. If it doesn't break you first. She looks over towards Abaddon and she says, I think the perspectives here come from different places. 
Abaddon has not had the greatest experience with us. But we hope that in time, things will get better. That is my hope. Um, so what exactly are you supposed to be doing? I mean, like, getting alchemated, I know, but, like, what exactly? I am, in a way, your ambassador. I am here to be your mediator and try and make things better for you. Understand your scenario and help. Does Abaddon have a mediator? I am the, I am the mediator for all of Ions here. As much as Abaddon wants to believe it, I have mitigated problematic situations. Though Abaddon may not admit that. Who do you report to? I think we both know who I report to. And you trust his judgment? I trust his intent. Do I agree with everything he does? I think that we both know that that answer is no. So are we just supposed to like sit here and just chill out for like ever or no not forever until we can discern that you are no longer a threat to the people outside until we can discern that you have a greater grasp on your power until you're their puppet war turns back towards you Abaddon and she says I am not your enemy, Abaddon. I have said this to you as many times as I can and proven it to you many more. I am sorry that you do not find us friends. You just follow an orders then? If I have to. <laughs> what do you gain other than the safety of the public? What's there to gain? I once felt lost. I now feel found. I gain the knowledge that my people can feel safe. Even if I have to do things that I am not happy about. Wait, so, um, did you pick the name War, or did someone give it to you? I picked the name War. That's, that's cool, I like that. My, not many people in the Nachtwanderer will tell you what their actual name is. Are you part of the Nachtwanderer? I am. My original name was Amanda Warren. And then you just shortened it to war. 
Correct. So clever. I like that. Has Shadow ever told you his real name? Is it? It's just Shadow, right? Like my name's her. It's like the one word thing? No. Oh, well, he doesn't have to. I mean, if he wants to go by Shadow and that's the name he picks, then that's fine. Perhaps he likes that one more. I mean, you like war better, don't you? Hmm. I think so. I started off... I think I started when I was using my old name a little bit more confused. I feel a little bit more whole when I refer to myself as war. Do we all just like short names then? I don't know. Is that what you chose then, Abaddon? Abaddon is my birth name. I have not taken one of theirs. Should I call you Abby? She like grins. If if you like, I. War smiles as she kind of glances between the two of you. Okay, Abby. It just sounds really cool, and it's short, shortened from Abaddon. So. And I, I like the name on. her. Okay. You shouldn't take one from them. I wasn't planning on it. Good. Yeah. And Abaddon, when she says that, is going to turn and just meet War in just a dead glare. War will return back to you. You can feel the intent boring back into your skull as she like meets this intense glare with intensity. <laughs> and she just looks at you and she says, Abaddon, you are not required to join the Nachtwandra. You may go free once we discern that you are no longer a harm to others. And what made the decision that I was a harm? Abaddon, there are many instances in which we have gone through the Underdark and found death in your wake. Do you find that safe? Do you find that comforting for those around you? We have seen torsos split from their bottom halves instantaneously when you are around without those on. She points at your arms. You can't just go teleporting half of a person's body away. You can do that? I mean, you can do that. And war, is that necessarily something that Abaddon could have done? I know that there are plenty, plenty of horrors no, in the Underdark. No, she's right. I did those things. But what she fails to tell you is what her people have done to my close ones, my loved ones in my circle never felt a harm until they walked into my life. War kind of straightens up and brushes herself off from um, kind of being down on the ground. And she says to all of you, I believe it is about wreck time. Would you all be willing to come with me maturely and 
without fuss as she aims towards Abaddon to the wreck room. There's a wrecking room? We don't want to have to restrain you again, Abaddon. Abaddon's gonna kind of square up like, I, I will I will fight you right now, but kind of glance to Shadow and her to take a cue like, I'm not gonna go down fighting alone. If you guys walk, I'll walk with you. But like, yeah. just, what, what's our wrecking? Do we get to wreck things? Ah, no, it's recreation. Oh. So, artificial sunlight, walking, distance, conversing with others. Are there like card games? I guess you could have card games if you'd like. Are there board games? I don't have any board games for you. I could procure you a set of cards if that's something you desire. Yeah, that'd be cool. I will take a note. And she, um, off this like side satchel, pulls out a notebook and takes a piece of charcoal out and she starts writing down in this book. Can you just like get people stuff? If it's harmless. Okay. So you can't get, well, you could get us like breakfast and stuff. If you're hungry, yes. Okay. Is there like a place to eat here? Because I'm really hungry. Yes, there is a place to eat. I don't believe it's time right now. There is no food there at the current moment. Wait, we have to be told when to eat. In order to make sure that we provide food for everybody, it's on a schedule. You're telling me there's no midnight snacks? I don't think so. Yeah! <laughs> what? I will put in a request. Oh my god, you people. The cruelest of the cruel. She like slams her fists on the ground and just says, I get it now, Abby. Fuck these people. I'm kidding. So, will you follow? I nod around and just, I think... In order for us to stay together, we should at least go this once. I'll nod, but I'll walk a little closer to Shadow than mm -hmm. I maybe would have yeah. at any other time. Like yeah. very on like on the back of your arm almost. Like yeah. right behind you. Shadow you is like Shadow is flanked like each each of you on on an arm i'm gonna go walk by war oh you want to walk by war i think she's cool yeah okay you can walk by war i'll try and hold her hand because i think she's really cool. you you grab war's hand and it is like cold honestly the metal is really cold this is i'm so used to that though yeah you are <laughs> so, actually yeah completely true fine. um you grab her hand and she smiles down at you and she um very calmly proceeds oh, and then i grab shadows here with my other arm okay we're forming a holding hand yes. chain yes. yes and you you see her knock on the door three times and the door clanks downwards and opens up the room you walk into is magnificently large almost 200 feet tall you find yourself looking up into a canopy of rock. Obvious to you now that you are underground. You see the large metallic door to your cell and know now that it is one of many, as roughly six more cram themselves into the space around you along one of the massive walls of this cavern. Now that you are outside of the cell, 
you hear the sounds of a kind yet somber violin coming from a cell a few doors down from where you were. Most significantly in this cavern is a tall beam of constantly warbling and undulating purple and white light. It spans for most of the height of this room, roughly 150 to 175 feet tall. It is grandiose and resplendent. But as you look towards the base of it, where it meets the ground, its beauty seems to be constrained. Around its base, you see a myriad of jumbled metallic structures, tubes and wires, levers and tanks. Two of these large tanks are actually full of a blue liquid and have what seem to be humanoid forms floating in them. There was obviously incredible natural beauty here once, as clearly evidenced by the large pools of water flowing out from a waterfall on the back of the wall, on the back wall, sorry, and purple and green grass flowing out from the center of that pillar of light, but it's been chopped up by cement pathways and graded coverings. Very clearly, science and industry have carved the natural beauty in this place into a suffocation of function over form. Just a short distance away, perhaps 50 feet in the distance, you see Field Marshal Vintner. His long white hair is slicked back, and his striking blue eyes meet with all of yours. Draped over his shoulders is a royal blue winter coat lined with thick fur trim. On his left shoulder, hung with a golden chain, is a gleaming white metal mask with highlights of pale blue surrounded with a mane of spined crests. He stares across the room at all of you, eyes like a bird of prey watching his mark. As he does, he closes the door to a dimly lit room on the opposite side of the atrium. All of you can roll me perception checks. Yes. Oh, boy. Time to perceive. Time to perceive. 15. Ooh. 18. Nice. 19. Whoa! Very Dang. high. Nice. Um, her. With a close enough ins- inspection, you see that this room in it is a large scythe with a row of sharp teeth comprising a wicked and jagged blade, a brass orb, a small bag, a crate of metal scraps, and a deck of cards. Is it, is it the cards that I think it is, or is it new cards? It, with your perception check, you were able to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you'd be able to discern the make of the cards. Okay. So. That's fine. As he closes the door, he brandishes these mechanical, golden, arcana mechanical arms, using them to adjust the lay of his coat, there to replace limbs that have long since failed him. Still glowing brightly in the center of his chest is a large blue gem fastened into his brass and copper armor. You swear you see a spark of blue energy fly off of it as his perpetual scowl bears into your hearts. (laughs) 
Vintner, finished with whatever his task was, walks over and stands next to a rather elegant-looking chair. Sitting in that chair, observing, sprawled in a very comfortable and relaxed position, is that same high elven man that her and Shadow you saw last in Ebonvale. He is a black and red-robed high elf mage, well-aged, a soft-cover book strapped over his shoulder. You can see a variety of ribbons and ornate metal decorating decorations hanging from his chest, an officer's insignia on his right shoulder, and a variety of campaign commendations described by those dangling trinkets. His hood has been pulled down and rests on his shoulders. A single stylized eye, closed, has been tattooed on his forehead, with graying red hair hanging long from his head. He is holding a book in his hands, large and bound by some sort of vibrant, fibrous material. He looks over at you, Abaddon, grabs a page, and rips it out. And as he holds it, a flame ignites in his hands, and a smile ignites over his face as you watch one of the pages of your family's work burned away in his hands. She looks like she wants to and he sits there <laughs> smiling and as he watches the emotions dance across your face there is just a very faint <laughs> as he laughs fucking monster what do you do did you say that out loud yes where they're monsters he flicks his fingers off as he gets the soot off of them like it was simply dirt that got on his hands. Your family's lifetime efforts, a worthless pile of dust to him now. He turns the page. Vintner looks down at him as he gets some of this dirt on his coat and Vintner grabs down at the book and you hear this very loud, whack as Vintner backhands Cortex across the face and Cortex just goes fuck <laughs> and Vintner looks down and he just said he just says uh he says you fucking fool and he walks over towards you Abaddon and he hands you the book and he says small comforts are the least we can offer Take stock of what's missing. Watching one's legacy burn is uncomfortable. I'm going to take the book away from him and very, like, quickly, like, tuck it. I know I don't have anywhere to tuck it, but, like, almost as far under my arm as I can and yeah. just, like, start flipping. You haven't it. seen this thing in, like, I, like weeks. Like awe you, that it still yeah, exists it, at all. You are flipping through it. You see some pieces of it are, like, kind of broken and battered, but... Most of the pages are intact. Um, there's a couple that seem to have like got some ripped edges. Is there um, anything in there specifically that like I remember that I can tell they were focused on looking at? Um, or did they really not care about it? 
I think it seemed as though it was like something that they may have flipped through once mm -hmm. or twice, but it didn't seem like they were as interested in it as they were interested in you. Physically, where am I in relation to the elf man with the uh, tattoo on yeah, his forehead? Yeah, Cortex, as is his name that you know, mm -hmm. um, is far, maybe like 50 feet away, stuck in that chair. He currently, he pulled his face up and he has this like gash that just went across his face mm -hmm. because Vintner's Ooh. metal hand just backhanded him. And he's currently like, like poking at it and kind of like, he starts to stand up and he pinches the wound closed and he's about to walk away. I can't help but smile at that. That's lovely. Oh, <laughs> I love seeing bad things happen to bad people. <laughs> um, Vintner turns to you, Shadow, and he says, Sorry, Vintner's voice is just as is hard for me to do. Yeah. And so I always think of your routine. Uh, <laughs> Josh has this routine before we do any stuff with Shadow. He'll just go into the other room and it sounds like he's warming up for a Screamo concert. Yeah. And it is absolutely like, incredible. Ooh. But um, <clears throat> he turns to you, Shadow, and he mm -hmm. says, Gwathrin, you shall accompany me. We are going to go visit the Oracle. And if I refuse? You may. You will still come either way. You should just go. It's okay. Uh, sir, I... I think it might... help the... the metal man to... go with you if you... allowed him the company of his... his small companion. Are you talking about me? I'm not sure. Smaller than me. Oh, uh, well... He kind of thinks for a moment. I'll plug my ears. Roll me a persuasion check. Oh no! Can I give her advantage <laughs> by plugging my ears and saying "la la la la"? No, you may not give. Ah. You may not give her advantage. Ten. Ten. Woof! Oh. Wait, fourteen goes to a ten. You don't have a minus this four. This is an eleven. Oh, it's an eleven. One. Yeah. Yikers. Um. <sighs> he looks over towards you, Abaddon, and he says. He says, I like your fearless intent. Perhaps if he is good this time, and he behaves, you may both accompany him next time. Are you sure? And she like puts her hand in a like praying position and is just like, I won't say anything. I'll be really quiet. I'll blow my ears and everything. He looks down at you and he says, I am quite sure. Stop talking back to me. How else are we supposed to have a conversation? It's probably best for now that I just go with him. Okay. Be safe, though, okay? <clears throat> uh, try to. Try to. At this point, um, Vintner just starts walking away, and he aims towards this pathway ever so slightly away, uh, back behind the cells. There's, like, a, a small one that, as, as the cells end on the back side of this room, mm -hmm. there's a pathway just at the end of where, where they stop, right? And he starts walking through that. Um, and it is pretty clear that he is he is going to the Oracle. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd follow. Okay. Um, you will follow these twisting paths with Vintner until eventually you come upon a circular door. Vintner motions his hand at it, and it swings open rather swiftly. What you see inside this room is a whir of assaults on your eyes. 
Every inch of this 50-foot circular room is covered in small portal-like screens. Each of them square and held at the corners with metal bearings. Each individual one shows the vision of a different landscape, all from the perspective of Warforged's all going about their daily lives. Every now and then, one of them will change to a different vista, clearly showing that these can change to any warforged that is desired. This in itself would be the main spectacle, if not for what laid at the center of the room. A large mechanical arm hangs from the ceiling, glowing with arcane infusions. Tubes and wiring all lead down to the end of it, where a heavily altered human body is attached via a port in the spine. This human woman has a large protruding metallic helmet that proceeds over her pale-skinned head covering her eyes and nose. There are many connectors that seem to connect it to the arm behind her. She seems to have no legs, but does have metal ports that open at her hips where they might be. Her arms have also been replaced by silver metal machinery. They are similar in design to Vintner's, but obviously of a different metal and a different make. She is wearing a set of form-fitting clothing that has an almost carbon fiber weave to it, completely bleach white with a red Levitican L over the chest on the right. The large metal appendage connected to her spine supports her entire body weight and carries her effortlessly around the room. She is held roughly four feet off the ground, moving to meet the screens that lace the wall, gesturing with her hands to move them, scale them, and interact with them. Upon you both walking in, she, without stopping what she is doing, calls out to Vintner. What can I do for you, Field Marshal? Vintner speaks clearly and loudly. Bring up the recording of the second of Marpanoth 187. She swings around to the opposite side of the room and expands one of the screams ex screens extremely wide. On the screen, you see a picture. Focus in. And in it, you see the church. Um, go ahead and roll me a perception check. 18. Nice. As you take a look at this, you realize that it's from your point of view. Mm -hmm. But you, you take a look at the edges of the screen. There's something weird. As you are seeing it, you see these like micro shakes in the viewport, obviously showing a great amount of resistance to whatever is happening to you in the moment. Mm -hmm. You remember being stuck, sitting there, watching, horrified. Mm -hmm. But you can feel, watching it from this point of view, it's as if looking at another person raging in a cell. You watch as the scene of your nightmares plays out on the screen again. Orion is sobbing on the ground. Vintner, standing with firearm in hand, fires three rounds into Valros's form as he holds up his cards as shields, and then another into his crumpled form on the ground.
I, uh, to interrupt really yeah. quick, I'd be looking at this and just visibly upset and uh, just turn to leave. And uh, as I'm like turning, I, I've seen this before. Why do I need to see this again? Vintner breaks, he breaks his silence after watching this and he says, I have brought you here to have Oracle remind you that you are an asset to Levitica. The moment you fell dead in that tundra and got brought back to life here was the moment you signed away the rest of your existence to this land and its peoples. Your loyalty is not allowed to waver. And this, he gestures to all of the screens, is to remind you that your words, all of them, are inescapable. I know what you do, Gwathryn. You cannot escape the Oracle. And if you try and harm or desert our people again, you will simply become a passenger. Another warforge that Oracle simply pilots herself. Look, here! And he points to another screen on the left side of the room. Oracle expands it out so you can see it. Warforged LV-3567, formerly referred to as Marcus. He is no longer allowed to pilot his body because he tried to harm Levitican civilians. You have too much power, and we have invested too much in you to allow you to not remain loyal. Do I make myself clear? Yes. I would ask, is that mercy that you want me to follow so dearly by? The same mercy that you would have extended to the woman in the street? Death is a mercy all its own, Gwathryn. And yet you keep yourself living with your mechanical arms. There are very few who would be willing to go to the lengths that Levitica requires to succeed. <clears throat> and he kind of looks down at his arms and he twists them over and these like small whirring um, sounds of his obviously almost fully mechanical body kind of break through the silence of the space. And he says, When I am no longer needed, you will see me as the first requesting my permanent leave of absence. Do you not have dreams and wishes and desires of your own? They were all swallowed long ago, Gwathryn. This is what I have left. And if it's the only thing I have, no one will stop the people of Levit Levitica getting what they need to survive. <laughs> to be free of the dangers of those people that you interact with. Nine Nine civilians were killed by that woman. 
time magic. Reversing any... Any event seen as undesirable just by her. What monster gets that kind of power? And what, ho what do you hope to do? Control it, sure. Teach her, sure. But then what? The same that you did to war? Institutionalize her? Keep her here, under lock and key? War. War made all those decisions herself, Gwathryn. I have not had to make the decisions for those who do not decide to stay yet. I have not experienced that. Those decisions will come when they do. But it seems that so far, those who have been given new I'd uh, look to the oracle. She, like, tilts on the axis of her arm and bends her head, observing you. Do you know my memories from before are only those that I've had since I've been a machine? Those are yours. I cannot see them. Good. She smiles and turns back to different pieces of the wall and starts interacting with it again. Vintner speaks up one more time, turning back to her, and he says, Oracle, it's time for recreation. Would you accompany me to assess combat capabilities? Oracle nods and the screens on the eastern wall separate and reveal a socket the size of a human body on the wall the metal arm that holds oracle's body from the ceiling pulls down and plugs her into it completely recessing her into the wall after a small amount of time there's some whirring and movement and the arm detaches with a deep <coughs> and pulls away without oracle on the end of it then, backing out of the socket in the wall, is that same woman, but now with metal legs attached into the sockets on her hips. Oracle turns to Vintner. Well, lead the way. And you all move on. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. LAS.